You are listening to the LifePoint Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Tony Meyer. For more information on other LifePoint Church resources, please visit www.livethemessage.org. If you got your Bible, you can turn to James chapter 3. I'm Tony. I'm one of the pastors uh, here at LifePoint. So glad you're here today. Over the past several weeks, we've been in a series entitled Blind Spots, and uh, really, uh, the portion of scripture that's kind of served as an anchor for us throughout the last several weeks is Matthew chapter 7, where Jesus uses this extreme picture, and he says, how can you say to your brother, let me get that speck out of your eye, when you have a plank sticking out of your own eye? First, take the plank out of your eye, and then you will be able to see clearly the speck that is in your brother's eye. And essentially this idea that we believe that God wants to use this church, God wants to use your life. But there are certain areas in in each one of us, there are certain areas in us as a church that that, that serve as blind spots that really diminish our influence. And I don't know about you, but I want God to use my life for the greatest impact while my short time on, on this planet. Amen? And so we've just been, uh, week after week, uncovering some of those blind spots. And this morning, we have the opportunity to look at the power of our words, the power of our words. And this has really been one of the anthems of my life, that there is incredible power in our words, the things that we say. Think about this. If I were to say to you just this one word, three letters, the word car, the word car, right? You're like, okay, where is this going? Well, immediately as I said, I said that word, many different things in this room popped into your mind, right? For some of you, you're thinking about the actual word, C-A-R, the actual word car. For some of you, you're just thinking about uh, some generic car. For some of us in this room, we're thinking about a very specific car. Maybe you're thinking about the car that you drove uh, to church in today, or you're thinking about a car that you saw in a commercial, or you're thinking about a car that you used to drive in with your dad when you were little, to get ice cream? Are you thinking about that car that you just wished you had when you were 16 years old? The point is this, that even just one word like that can take us down several different paths, that there is incredible power in our words. And it's not just the words that we say, but it's also how we say it. In the age of texting, uh, my wife and I have made a covenant with one another that we will not argue via text message. And so if you argue via text message, our prayer teams will be up here uh, after the service. Please, God help you. It's not good because I could be running late and I could text my wife and I could say, honey, I'm running late. I'm so sorry. I'll be home soon. Right? And she could text me back, great, exclamation point. And I know that everything is a-okay. Right? But she could text me back, great, period, and everything is not a-okay, right? I could text her, or she could text me back just great with no punctuation at all, and I'm just left to wonder, is everything great? She could say, great, or great, like I'm going to kill you when you get here, you know? We don't know, even just punctuation, the way that we say words changes the meaning behind it, the intention changes it, that there's incredible power in our words, and the word has a God's word has a lot to say about how we use our mouths. In Proverbs 12, 18, 
It says, the words of the reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise bring healing. Proverbs 15, 4 says, the soothing tongue is a tree of life, but a perverse tongue crushes the spirit. Ephesians 4, 6 says, let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how, to, how you ought to answer each person. Psalm 141, verse 2 and 3 says, let my prayer be set before you as incense, the lifting of my hands as an evening sacrifice. Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth and keep watch over the door of my lips. Proverbs 18, 21 says, the tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Man, there's power in our words. The tongue has the power of life and death. And so the big idea this morning, if you don't get anything else, is this. Our words carry the potential to bring life or to destroy. Your words carry the potential to bring life or to destroy. Did you know that we were made in the image of God? You bear the likeness of God. And if you read in Genesis chapter one, it says, in the beginning, the Lord created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was formless and void, and the Holy Spirit hovered over the face of the water. And then the Lord said, let there be light. In John chapter one, it says, in the beginning was the word, capital W, Jesus. And the word was with God, and the word was God. And all things were made through him, and by him all things exist. So since the beginning of, of, our, uh, of the existence of humanity in this earth, God had this amazing plan. And Jesus spoke out that plan, and Holy Spirit began to move and create. But you and I, we were, we were created in his likeness, not in the same way that we're like little miniature gods, or that we can take something out of nothing, but that there's this creativity that, that is so like, like the Lord's that each one of us have. Do you know the very first assignment that God gave, God gave mankind was to name the animals, to bring definition, to bring order, to bring intention to chaos. I mean, think of it like this. An, an artist, it's amazing. They can have a blank, completely white canvas, and they can create a masterpiece. Or hundreds of years ago, when they started making watches, they could take these little chunks of metal and machine them down into like little gears and then fit it all together to create this wash that can keep time. It's amazing. The ingenuity of man that God has given us. God has created us to set things in motion, to bring life. And words carry that potential as well. We set things in motion with the things that we say Emotionally, spiritually, physically, mentally. Words that bring life help solve big problems. Words that bring life prepare us for the future. They bring wisdom and insight. They encourage and inspire creativity. Words that destroy are often critical and nitpicky. They're used to tear someone down or bring them down a, a peg or put them in their place. They're used to complain about people instead of finding solutions to problems. They speak to someone's past and not their future in God. We have the power of life and death in our tongue. And that's why the Bible speaks so emphatically about this. So if in James chapter three, if we can turn there, James is right at the, the end portion of your Bible. We're going to read through this. 
This is James, brother of Jesus. He says this in verse one. He says, my brethren, let not many of you become teachers knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. Let's just stop there for a moment just to bring context. So he's talking to the early church and in, in, in that day and age, it was kind of so, uh, highly esteemed to be a teacher, someone that was, uh, that was uh, you know, teaching the word. And so people really sought after this position and kind of self-promoted themselves to the position of teacher without maturity or competence. And so he's just giving them a little warning there. But in verse two, it says this, for we all stumble in many things. And if anyone stumble, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us. And we turn their whole body. Look also at ships, although they are so large and driven by fierce winds, they are turned by very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. Even so, the tongue is a, is a little member and it boasts great things. See how great a forest a little fire kindles, and the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among the members that it defiles the whole body, and it sets on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile, a creature of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no one can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. With it we bless our God and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the image of God. Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not be. Man, it's hard we don't really have to guess on how James feels about the power of our words, right? But he starts out by saying, hey, I know all of us struggle in, in a lot of different things. And in this room alone, many of us have, have different battles that we're facing, different struggles, and some of them are the same. But he says that, that the one who does not stumble in what he says, they are a perfect man. So I know for some of us, you're thinking, well, I'm off the hook. I'm not going to be perfect. I'm never going to be perfect. And that's true. We're not going to be perfect outside of, uh, on this side of heaven. But the word actually should be translated mature. It's the same word that's used in, in James chapter 1 that it says that God has desired that we be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. So he's saying what a, an indicator, indic, one of the indicators of maturity is that we have a tongue that is tamed, that we're conscious of the things that come out of our mouth, that we're careful with our words, that we understand the power in which our words have. You know, I gave my life to the Lord when I was 20, and every time I have a microphone, I'm gonna talk about it, because <laughs> that Jesus transformed me. I was an alcoholic and a drug addict, and he changed my life. I was a jerk, you can ask my brother. And I hated, man, I, hate, I hated myself, and I wanted everyone to hate themselves as bad as I did. And so, man, I, with my words, I would just rip people apart. I would, I would just humiliate them in front of people. It didn't matter. I was not a respecter of person. It didn't matter if they had a badge on or they were an authority in my life. It didn't matter if they were the biggest person in the room or the smallest. I did not care. And it was a big reason why I got into so many fights is because a lot of people they just didn't have anything else to say. The only thing they could do is punch me in my face. And I gave my heart to Jesus. And I started recognizing, like, God, I don't, I don't like the things that I say, the things that come out of my mouth. 
And I remember there was a time where after I gave my life to the Lord where I said something, and I was joking, but one of my friends took me aside afterwards. He's like, Tony, you, you can't say that. And I said, what do you, what do you mean? He said, you, 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 can't, you can't say that to people. I said, well, why not? Because it's mean. <laughs> oh. And I, I started to think, God, do something in my heart. Would you, I just, I don't want, I don't want my mouth to be something that causes someone else to fall. I don't want my mouth to be something that causes someone to, to be, fall into ruins. And so God began to take me on this journey of, of taking this mouth and causing me to be someone that encourages and edifies and builds up. I remember one time I was walking through the grocery store and I saw this kid, this is years after high school, and I saw this kid that I had known from high school and he was just kind of, you know, a kid that had, was already having a hard time in high school and I just made it so much worse for him. And I saw him, walk, I was walking down an aisle in the grocery store and he, he came around the corner and he saw me and his eyes got big and he turned around quickly and went around the aisle and I, I chased after him. I said, Michael, Michael, Michael. And he, he went like this and he said, what? And I said, Michael, I, I have to tell you something. I was horrible to you in high school. I was horrible to you in high school. I said and did, did things that I just, I'm so ashamed of. I, but you need to know that I've given my life to Jesus and he's, he's, he's changing me and I am so sorry. Would you ever forgive me? And it was funny because I was, you know, expecting him to just land to me and he just goes, yeah, man, of course. And he put his arm around me and we just sat and talked. It was the strangest thing. But God took me on this journey. I want to use this mouth to bring life and not death. You know, because we believe. I don't know about you, but I believe in this gospel. That's a gospel of transformation. It's a, it's a gospel of renewing the mind. It's not behavior modification. You see, the world would seek to change us from the outside. Maybe if we legislate speech, maybe if we just make certain things off limits, then, then, it, then we'll be better. But where's, where does it stop? And you can't change someone from the outside, and you have to be changed from the inside out. And there's a heart transformation that takes place that we say, wait, the things that I say matter. The words that I use and how I communicate things to people matter. And so I want to be very careful, the things that I say. I want my word to be breathed on by the Holy Spirit before I speak them. That's why in verse six here in James, Jesus or uh, James says, the tongue is set among members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life. That phrase entire course of life can also be translated the uh, wheel of birth. It means kind of like setting, you're setting something in motion, you're setting cycles into motion. And that's often what happens is we get our, in our life, we get in, into these cycles. And it's hard to break. And I believe it starts in here, right? In Luke 6, Jesus says that out of the abundance of the heart, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. What your heart is full of, the mouth speaks. That's why it does matter the things that we put into our mind. It does matter the things that we put into our heart. We can't just watch whatever we want. We can't just listen to whatever we want. We can't just hang out with, with everybody all the time because what we put in here eventually comes out. In a lot of ways, what comes out of our mouth kind of confirms what's in our heart. 
And so we get in this cycle, whether it's a cycle of negativity. I worked for a time at an auto repair shop, and I spoke a little bit about this, but I had a manager there, and him and I became good, unlikely good friends um, throughout the process, but he was one of these people stuck in the cycle of negativity. Before the day would start, it had been written on the wall what kind of a day it was going to be. And I would say, man, today's going to be a great day. And he said, uh, yeah, just wait until this customer comes in to get their car, and they're not happy about this. Wait till this mechanic gets here, and he's going to be like this. And, and before the day had even begun, he'd been prophesying about how horrible this day was going to be. And it, it came out in all, in all areas of his life. I remember one time we were talking to a customer who had spent $1,300 on repairs, which is a lot of, and, um, but he was, my manager was getting very frustrated, very uh, defensive, very rude, and so then the customer also was getting frustrated and defensive and rude, and finally the customer said to him, I can't talk to you anymore, and turned to me, <laughs> and we started to talk, and I kind of talked him down off the ledge, and we got them on their way, and he looked at me, my manager looked at me, and he said, was I... Why were they getting so upset? Was I being rude to them? I said, well, yes. <laughs> yes, you were. And he said, Tony, I don't know how you can do this. I don't get it. He's like, I don't know how you can be so nice when people are so mean and rude and unruly to you. And my wife thinks this is hilarious because they used to describe me as happy-go-lucky there. And I've been described as a lot of things, and there's nothing wrong with being happy-go-lucky. I've just never been described in that way as happy-go-lucky in my whole life. And uh, see, I don't know how you do this. This is not a happy place. And yet you're always happy. And I said, well, maybe we could change that. But he, what he didn't know is that every day before I would go into work, I would sit in my car and I would say, God, help me to be an influence today. Help my words to carry weight today. Help me to make an impact in this place. Help people to see a difference in my life. And God was faithful. What are the things that you're speaking over your life? I think the natural other carnal response is this. Well, I just need to be more positive and just have a positive, uh, just kind of have positive self-talk. And obviously there's a benefit to that. If you're going to be one way, it's better to have positive self-talk. But I've known people also that the whole world could be crashing down around them. And they're like, just stay positive. Everything is great. And the whole house is burning down. They're like, no problems here. Everything's awesome. And everything is not awesome. And it's okay to acknowledge that everything is not awesome. But that's why it's important that we know what God has to say about things. And what's come out of my mouth, is, that, is, that, is it echoing what God has to say? That even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because God is with me. His rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Even though I walk through the fire, I will not be burned. Even though the water rises around me, I will not drown. That I'm not an orphan. That I'm a son. That I'm a daughter. That the peace of God will surpass my understanding. These are the truth of God that we, that we speak over our lives. And we confess the truth. What are you speaking over your life? What is the inner dialogue that you have? You know, there's many studies, you can look it up, many studies that link uh, negative self-talk to depression and anxiety. 
So what is the inner dialogue that you have? We have to break that cycle, start to confess the truth of God over your own life. What do, you, what do you say to those people around you? How do you speak to those closest to you? How do you speak to your spouse? And how do you say it? How do you talk to your kids? How do you talk to your coworkers? How do you talk to your friends and your neighbors? It matters. And sometimes we're speaking things out in faith, right? Faith is believing without seeing. Sometimes God, as you walk with God, Holy Spirit gives you a glimpse of something that, that God has put in someone that's yet to be discovered, that they've not yet discovered, but you begin to speak it out in faith. Man, God, thank you that my husband is so kind. Thank you that my, my husband gives us so much of his time. Thank you that my husband is so careful with his words. God, thank you that my wife is so patient. Thank you that my wife always assumes the best in me. God, thank you that my kids are, are responsible. Thank you that my kids love people and love to make friends. We speak things out whether we've seen it or My wife is amazing at this. But we had to, there was a point in our marriage, and I don't have time to get into it today, but there was a point in our marriage where we had to break this cycle. And one of the hills that we die on in our house is how we talk to one another. We can disagree all day long, but how we talk to each other is important. We talk to each other with grace, with patience, with respect, and with love. Are we careful with our words? A lot of times we come back and we say, I didn't mean what I said. It slipped out. But in reality, it's more of a revelation of what was in there in the first place. We have to break the cycle. So in verse 8, James says this. But no man can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. He's alluding to like a wild animal. It's like, a, it's like trying to, to cage a tiger. It's very difficult. It's got deadly poison. It's venomous. The truth is, is that no, none of us can tame our tongue. Only with Holy Spirit's help can the tongue be tamed. And I really believe that confession is one of the one of the keys to breakthrough in our life. And by confession, I don't mean like confessing your sins to a priest. I mean like what are you declaring over your life? What are you declaring over your family? What are we confessing with our mouth? There's this phrase throughout the Psalms that I just, I've grown to love. And it's just two simple words. They have so much power. It's just the words, I will. I will. And it, in those two little words, it, it carries so much courage, determination, strength, and grit. I will worship you. I will love you. I will follow you even when nobody else follows. I will do the right thing when no one else is around. I will. And it's this declaration that we make. It's not a promise that we're making. It's a declaration that we're making over our life. I will. I will. 
This is who I'm declaring I will be. And in, in Psalm 34, I love this. And we could spend a lot of time here. He says, I will bless the Lord at all times. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will, shall, uh, shall continuously be on my lips. Man, this is why we worship. This is why we, it's hard to, to cuss somebody out when you've got, a, when you're worshiping the Lord with your mouth, right? When there's, it constantly in your mouth, God, I love you, you you're amazing. And it's not this, like, like Jesus was talking about vain babbling or, or just, you know, trying to occupy space. But it's, like I said before, it's proclaiming the truth. It goes on to say, my soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear of it and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. This is the power of worship, corporate worship. When we come together and we, when, when we sing songs together, we sing in unison and we proclaim the truth of God. We proclaim the truth of God over ourselves and over one another, over this church and over our city. And God is made bigger in our minds. Not that God is small. The Bible says that God holds the span of the universe in his hand. He's not small, but the problem is that we make him small in our minds and we set up our problems alongside of God as an equal. And we say, God, I really hope you can eke this one out. But this is a real doozy. But when we magnify the Lord, when his praise is continually, continually on our lips, when we bless him at all times, no matter what happens, no matter what's going on, when we say, God, I'm gonna worship you in the middle of this junk, all of a sudden, this huge mountain in our way seems so tiny compared to God. And you say, God, this is no issue for you. This is no problem for you. I will, I will. Worship team, you can, you can come. Ephesians 4.29 has been uh, one of the verses of my life um, because it's, it's helped to transform this heart. And it's really uh, one of the prayers that I want, one of the prayers of our, I'd like for our church. Let no unwholesome word proceed out of your mouth, but only such a word is good for edification according to the need of the moment, so that it will give grace to those who hear it. Let no word come out of your mouth that would bring dis destruction or ruin or corruption or, or to defile. Do you ever those moments where you have, you're in a conversation with somebody or maybe you're arguing with somebody and you have that comment that you know you shouldn't say, but you think, I just, it's gonna feel good when I say it. And it comes out and as soon as it comes out, you know it was a mistake and you can't take it back. I pray that no corrupt word would proceed out of our mouth, but only such a word that is good for edification. That means to build up and to, and to, to encourage. I want my life to be known as someone who builds up and encourages. A good indicator of that is what do people come to you for? When people come to you, do they come to you for a listening ear? Do they come to you for encouragement? Do they come to you for wisdom? 
Holy Spirit knows the need of the moment. And sometimes that need is encouragement. Sometimes that need is instruction. Sometimes that need is just to put an arm around, and that speaks volumes to someone. But I, my prayer is that Holy Spirit guide me in the things that I say and how I say it so that it will give grace to those who hear it. I pray that the words that I use in this world, they start to, to poke holes in the walls that people have built up. That as I begin to speak life and breathe life, they actually benefit from being around me as a believer. Not because I'm so special, but because the grace of God is upon my life and that grace is extended and it begins to break down those walls. And I just, I so desire that my words matter and my words count. Amen. Would you stand across this, please? This is a journey that each one of us need to go on. Saying, God, transform my heart. Allow me to understand the, the incredible power that my words carry, the potential that they have to bring life or to bring death. And as I speak to those around me, as I speak over myself, God, I pray that you just break this cycle. Break that cycle. Amen. Can we bow our heads across this room? I have two questions I want to ask this morning. And in response to those questions, I'm going to ask that you raise your hand. And my intent in you raising your hand is not to embarrass you or to call you out or make you do anything weird. I just want to pray for you, and I want to know who I'm praying for. So maybe as I've been sharing this morning, you're like, you know what? I just, man, I want God to change my heart. I want, I want this cycle to be broken. The things that I say to people, how I say it, the words that I use, I want to be careful if that's you, would you just, would you put a hand up? I want to, I want to pray for you. Thank you. I appreciate it. You can put your hands down. The second question is this, is if you're here this morning and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, maybe you were like I once was and was just far away from the Lord living for yourself. Or maybe you've had a relationship with him in the past, but it's grown cold and stagnant and you need to get your life right with the Lord this morning. If that's you, would you just put a hand up? I want to pray for you. Thank you. Is there anybody else? Appreciate your honesty. Thank you. If you just raised your hand, you need to get your life right with the Lord. Or even if you didn't raise your hand, I want you to pray this, this simple prayer with me. It's a confession. It's an acknowledgement that, God, you're, you're doing something in me, and I'm going to give you my life. So agree with me. God's not looking for the perfect set of words or a formula. He's just looking for your heart. So Lord, right now, I just give my life to you. Every single part, I hold nothing back from you, God. I give it all. I surrender everything that is that I am, the good and the bad, Lord. My trophies and my failures, I just lay it down at your feet, God. Lord, I just repent from sin, I repent from anything that isn't pleasing to you, and I just turn away from it, and I turn to you, and I start pursuing you, God. I stop pursuing the things of this world, and I start pursuing you, and I pray, Holy Spirit, that you just come in power now, in Jesus' name. Setting free captives, changing hearts, renewing minds, do it now in Jesus' name. God, we just thank you for the incredible responsibility that you've given us 
that with our mouths we can speak life and bring life to broken people. We can bring encouragement, we can lift up, we can correct, but we can also create great ruin. Lord, I pray that you would just do a transformation in our hearts, in Jesus' name, that our prayer truly would be that we would let no corrupt corrupt word proceed out of our mouth, but that which is good for edification, to meet the need of the moment, so that it may bring grace to those who hear it. God, would our, would our words bring grace to those who hear it? Grace that is greater than anything we could ever face in this life. Grace that enables us to live for you. Grace that sets us free. God, we thank you for the power that comes in what you say, that one word from you is, is better than a million from anyone on this planet. So God, I pray that you just begin to speak louder in this season, that we would be, that we would be attentive to listen and to hear the things that you're speaking. We quiet the noise in our life so that we can hear you, Lord. Jesus, we love you. We love you. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's sermon. For more information about LifePoint Church, please visit www.livethemessage.org.